I feel like I haven't really talked to you a whole lot. Not just today, a, but in uh, general. It's been very busy. It has been busy. It's been, have you guys uh, been extremely have you guys busy. Been still been kind of odd and busy at work because we've been slammed. Work's been actually, I'm on permanent afternoon, so it's always busy just with everything that you, you get on day shifts and midnights. Yeah, I hate to use the term permanent. I feel like at some point you should. Do you like my shirt today? It's nine o'clock. Wait, wait for one second. Let me show everybody really quick. Let's. Uh, we're yeah. actually live right now. Are you showing people? It's been live for thirty-three seconds. Been. You're right. I haven't changed the you graphic. You didn't even change the graphic. We're just on here. Yeah. Well, let me see it. What does it say? So here, here we go. Dunder Mifflin, dude. Dunder Mifflin. Here's the thing. You thought if you thought you made enemies because you hadn't seen Goonies yet, tell me that you at least stand know. in line. Tell me you at least know what Dunder Mifflin is from. Oh, Jesus Christ. I don't like the break. So we uh, have a guest tonight. I, oh, my God. So, dude, are you, uh, no, no, no. Uh, no, F this guest and everything he's oh, coming. Like, okay. people need to get on here and light you up. Because, dude, how do you not know what Dunder Mifflin... I guarantee our guest, Matt, which I want you to go ahead and introduce because just from talking to him before we started this, this guy is... He's got he's interesting as hell, man. He's a yeah. hell of a story. So well, go ahead and tell everybody about that. And then I'm gonna make what you... Dunder Mifflin is no, first. No. No, you don't deserve to know. Okay. All right, I'm gonna tell you. Right, well, it's the well, office, Dave. Oh, the I've never, never the seen show, an episode. The office. You've never seen it. No. Literally <laughs> record breaking <laughs> amount of streams during the pandemic. The most watched yeah. television show in the history of the world. Mm-hmm. And your checkers playing little little kitten at home, not watching it. You were on no. light duty for like seven months. You didn't watch the office. I, and I did. I wasn't sitting around catching up on all my, uh, the memes on my, and on my gifts with Steve Carell and Jim and Pam. All that nothing. You got two nothing. shows. Two shows that I used to follow all the time. It was Breaking Bad. Watched the whole thing of Breaking Bad. And Ozarks. Those are the only two. Other than I didn't that, like those I got into season two and it slowed down for me, so I quit watching it. Watch, watched Walking Dead uh, until they introduced the dude with the lion, and then I stopped watching that because or he Tiger, whatever the hell he had. Yeah, it started getting stupid. So anyway, I just the Blacklist. Did you watch that? Nope. I watched all of House because that's freaking awesome, and then I was recommended the Blacklist, which is like House for FBI agent. I find this shocking because awesome. I send you text messages all the time, and it takes you. 48 hours to respond to me but yet you are caught up on every every no. show on tv possible just what how I, is this how is this possible okay right. I well and i don't respond so, to you because um you're mean to me three minutes in and you've already ripped me apart for not watching the office ladies and but, gentlemen once again i want to reiterate dave has did not know what dunder mifflin was from he had no clue <laughs> you know it, it's crazy. You're going to wear all these shirts and then you're not going to get any response from me because I'm not going to oh, know what any of them mean. You're not going to know. You're so sheltered. Jesus. Oh. But anyway, we have a guest tonight. Another one. This is two in a row. Two yeah. shows in a row. We've had a special guest. And it's and not even the that. Next, the next two, we will have guests as have well. Guests. So, yeah. Yeah. So we are I, four in a row. There are people that actually want to hang out with us, Dave, and I kind of like it's it. It's crazy. It's it's insane. So our ones real, and ones may go to tens and tens at some point. Right. We're at thirteen right now, so it's pretty exciting. So we, uh, I have a friend that I invited on the stream. As many of you who follow us on our Facebook 
or Instagram saw that we were looking for a guest that would be comfortable coming on and talking about just finances, just uh, not looking for a financial advisor, but someone who just, you know, made some good choices, invested some money, saved well, uh, and has a story to share. And I was lucky enough to have a friend who I worked with on the street for a little bit. He is also a police officer, still police officer. And uh, he wanted to come and share his story and answer some questions for us who are curious about finances because, you know, finances means different things to everybody, whether you have financial goals, whether you feel you're financially struggling, whether you're curious about how to invest some money into some little side things, maybe to gain some extra money or financial freedom to where you can just retire and be on Donut Dad's podcast 24 hours a day. And honestly, yeah, it'll soon be the Donut Dave for as much as you complain about me, but uh, to kind of relate to the whole dad's aspect of it, a lot of people are concerned about what they're going to be able to leave their children, what sort of legacy they can leave behind. Is, uh, you know, their financial footprint that they leave, is it going to leave it, you know, a dent in those that they love and they're going to have to struggle? So it's definitely something that I know I think about with as crazy as I choose to live my life. Like, I think I it comes natural. Sure, yeah. I, I just want to make sure that, that my kids, aren't going to be struggling because of the decisions I made. Right. And I think once you have kids, uh, I think it becomes even more serious. I think when we're young and dumb and we don't have kids and no really responsibilities, you don't really, you don't really think about it. But then when you become a parent, you're like, man, I really want to make sure I set these kids up for at least some success or help if, if anything were to happen. So without further ado, Bring bring this guy on. Yeah, let's bring him on. So uh, my buddy Matt decided and volunteered to come on the show and give us a little bit of time. And uh, Matt, really quick, uh, let me preface this. He, again, is not a financial advisor. No. But he has been interested in finance for a very long time and made some moves while being a police officer and was able to retire extremely early and now is enjoying Crazy uh, a multitude of hats that he's wearing. And, and wanted to share his story and some advice with us and let us pick his brain. So without further ado, let's bring on Matt. Hey, there he is, Matt. There you hey, go. Welcome, we, don't Matt. Have, yeah. we don't have a sound effect for clapping, so there you go. Bar. We got to get there some sort of like neat sound effect thing. Man, I don't even, I, that might have a sound effect thing, but I don't, I haven't looked. So no, you know, I'm actually one who doesn't have a hat on either. So I know you yeah, well, you know, this is the donut dad symbol right here. These little yeah. hats. So it's it, right. it is. We got to wear a hat. Right. So like you, you guys, you, you guys have that show Bob and Tom where you're at. Does it is it run in syndication on your stereos there? No, no. Okay, then this is not an applicable statement, and I will you know, revert back station? to Matt. Is that on the same station as the Office? Or so you know the Office. Clearly, yeah. you know the Office. Clearly, I actually I wore this shirt. This was this was my most business savvy shirt and fun loving show i thought dude this is perfect for this episode dave has ruined it he's lost i ruined it i just you could have gave me a little heads up earlier terrible situation for us to be in i am so disappointed in you but matt welcome to the show man good to have you you. welcome matt so matt uh for those that don't know you which you know we have 16 people on we'll just assume that most of them don't nope right so you started off your career uh, very young in law enforcement, 21. I thought I started young. You, uh, when I started uh, my career Same. in law enforcement, I was 22. And it's rare to find 22-year-olds, but you got hired at 21 yes. and uh, stayed at a small department for a couple of years and made the decision to transition to 
a larger department. Right. And why don't you just kind of lead us there? So let's start off at the small department. So was that the first department that you worked at or? Hang, hang on. Let, let's do this first. How old are you right now, Matt? 30. You're 30. You're 30 right now. 30 and right as now. Dave, and, and so, but, so people get an idea going into this, Dave, Matt is 30 and you've already mentioned this dude has set himself up financially so well, he doesn't have to work full time as a cop anymore. Now. Now Bravo. people know what they're getting into. Please explain. Bravo, jealous. Oh, so so jealous. let's so let's go for it. so twenty one years old. You're uh, testing to become a police officer, huh? Yeah, it was terrible. Okay, man. how many tests so, did you take? Man, I think I took fourteen. 14 All right. 15. Yeah, yeah. But when even when you were testing, uh, probably similar to us, even though we're a little older than you. Yep. Um, when I was taking tests for police departments, we were testing against hundreds of people. Yeah, I went against a thousand in one yeah. test. Yep. And now you are lucky to get 10 or yep. 20. Yeah, uh, it's crazy. So yeah, crazy it's with whole, 10 years yeah, to a, a profession. Now. So, so again, so you uh, you got hired at a small department, yep. right? And then what? how many years did you work there? I worked there for two years and then... Um, I wanted to, I kind of wanted to do some other things. I wanted to get into working like an attack unit or doing like more proactive police work and stuff. So I wanted to go to a bigger department where those opportunities would be available. Um, that didn't end up being the case. Like a lot of those positions ended up getting dropped um, mm. at the bigger department. But I was there for seven years. And um, throughout that whole time, I had this goal of wanting to retire early, which we'll get into. And I, uh, I just most, did that. That's crazy. It just as, as a side, that's crazy for somebody going into it that early. Hey, I already know right now I'm retiring early. So this is a mindset that you've had for a while. Yeah. When I came in, so like generally like your normal officer will want to work 30 years because that's when they get their tapped out pension. Yep. Yep. I knew because when I started at 21, I was going to have to work till I was 55. That meant I would have to do 34 years at a police department. And I knew that wasn't going to happen. I was like, there's there's just no way. I've met cops who have put 20, 25 years on. They're almost all burned out. I don't want to be that guy. And uh, so I knew if I started saving and investing and doing things like that early, that I wouldn't have to wait that 34 years. So And without, uh, without saying the name of your first department, did you hear that they are at 12 officers right now? <laughs> did you hear that? Yeah. What I were they at before? That is, that is, context. isn't that insane? Twelve. Yeah. <laughs> what they, that, they should have for, tripled for, that. Wait for context. Right. What were they at before? They were. I don't. Why is twelve? It was, 30, it was a thirty-man department when I was there. That oh. included your supervisors and things Holy like that. Um, and now it's I'm only twelve. Down, I'm guessing they're down to twelve patrolmen, based on injuries and and transfers and people just retiring. Wow, um, they are down to twelve, and and let wow. me just let people know who are tuning in. Matt and I met on a multi-jurisdictional TAC unit. So one of the TAC units that I mentioned in the past that I worked that I worked for the last ten or eleven years, Matt came a couple times and worked that unit, and that's where we met and developed our friendship through that unit. But one of the part the department that he worked for when we met was a very busy department uh, on on our, in our area, probably one of the most busiest 
of probably the eight that we share a radio band with. So uh, for them to be at 12 right now is is completely ridiculous and unsafe, I believe, truly unsafe. Yeah, uh, you're getting into but, an area there where it's just not even safe no. to be working. Yeah, you know, those 12 people, uh, if they're not trying, if they're not trying to find another place to go, then that's that's insane. But again, I didn't want to steal steal that. I just wanted to share that little tidbit with you. So uh, while you were there and you were seeing guys with 20 years getting burned out, then what? Like, is that kind of what made yeah, you I really? Mean, what's funny is like, I even had this idea of retiring early before I even entered that department. So when I was like 18, I was a kid who like, the day after my 18th birthday, I was going and setting up like my Roth IRA account and and stuff like like I was already planning for retirement because I had learned um, through some people and through a teacher I had like the earlier you start investing and saving money, the better off you'll be. And time is like your biggest asset when you are trying to save money and do things like that. So the longer you put it off and stuff like that, the worse you are. And there's like a saying that the best time to start investing is yesterday. And the second best time is right now um, mm. because so many people put it off and things like that. So I was kind of an outlier. I started from a very young age and um, doing really small amounts of money, like a hundred bucks a month here and there. Uh, I was working a part-time job. I was going to college. So I didn't, you know, I wasn't making much money, um, but I was doing my best. I was trying to save. And then I went into this like police job kind of thinking that that was going to be like my life, you know, like I couldn't wait to be a cop. I was like, this yeah. is going to, this is going to be me. Like I'm going to be, you know, working this like plainclothes unit, doing all this cool stuff. And like, I'm not even worried about anything else. Like I can't wait to do it. But I also kind of had in the back of my head that I knew I wasn't going to be doing that for 30 plus years. It just, it just wasn't, wasn't what I wanted to do. So. Right. So, uh, for those people that are watching, we have to just assume, and this is how we train, right? You train to the lowest ability officer on the line or in the scenario, right? Yeah. So, um, can you just explain to the people tuning in what even a Roth IRA is? Like, do you, can you, in layman terms, just explain what that is for somebody watching? Yeah. You know, that so an IRA is an individual retirement account. And there are two different types. There's a traditional IRA. Did, didn't even know what that acronym meant. If we're going to yeah. go that far. Yeah. See, you train to the lowest. Train to the lowest. <laughs> so yeah. there's a there's a traditional IRA and there's a Roth IRA. A traditional IRA kind of follows both of them. They're made. The government allows us to have them as like um, kind of like a uh like they want us to invest money so they're giving us like these accounts that have tax benefits to incentivize us to invest in them um so a traditional ira just means that the money that you invest does not count towards your taxes it's considered like a before tax savings so let's just say you put five thousand dollars into an account and you made a hundred thousand dollars that year if you put it into a traditional ira when you Pay your taxes it'll be as if you had ninety five thousand in salary versus a hundred thousand okay and then a roth ira is separate where that's an after-tax account so you pay tax on it when you invest it because money comes out of your paycheck which is taxed and then when you go to get that money when you're older it's tax-free um so so what you see is what you get with that is basically exactly. what, what i know it's right. a little confusing um but they both have tax benefits and 
you know, they're, they're both good things to invest in. Um, but Roth IRAs are, are good because you could also, um, draw money out of the contributions you have made into the fund. So let's just say over 10 years, you put 50 grand into that account and you've earned 50 grand in interest. You now have a hundred thousand dollars in there. Let's say your kid is going to go to college or you are buying a new house or something. You could access that $50,000 that you put in there with no penalty. Um, so it has like a little bit of a of an incentive to invest in that because it allows you to do different things with it but versus a traditional so traditional right. you couldn't with traditional, no yeah you gotta wait till you're like 59 and a half and gotcha and like that, so all right now so, i i realize you answered just like, and i'm sorry to cut you off dave i realize you answered just like a couple basic terminology questions but i guess along those same lines obviously you know far more in depth about the whole investment retirement stuff like that did you is this something you just kind of picked up a book and educated yourself on did you it, did you take one of those online courses did you buy the dvds offline to watch the guy that shows you how to do all this stuff or how did you pick this stuff up was this something that you you know were good at early how did that work so the the big interest in it came when i started reading a blog by this guy he goes the blog name is mr money mustache and his goal was that him and his wife wanted to exactly my mustache is so money right now just like yours uh his goal was that they wanted to save up enough money by the time they reached 30 years old so that they could completely stop working and raise their son um so there he ended up writing all these articles on investing and lifestyle and saving money and all these different things and you could even go on that website there's a from the beginning um tab and you could read all of the articles um that he's that he's written yeah or start here yeah and this started in like 2011 i think there's probably over 500 articles um but that's kind of what opened me up to it so a lot of it came from him and, and it spells out like the map work on on how he went about doing what he did exactly yeah there's there's articles on investing there's articles on, on stupid things too he's like He's into carpentry and uh, weightlifting and fitness. So he talks about all different types of things. And he talks about his life after retirement and what it's like to live daily without having to go to a full-time job and stuff like that. Right. Um, so that's where like the initial interest came in. I was kind of obsessed with his blog. I read every article that kind of led me to reading other books and listening to podcasts and stuff like that. So um, that's kind of where it came in. And then, so Once it almost became it almost became a hobby for you exactly yeah. yeah it's a passion like for sure it's it's yeah. something i think about daily it's i've i've not gotten sick of reading about it or listening about it um well hell no so, it makes you money matt jesus <laughs> yeah you got you to freedom. retire fucking 30 yeah. years old exactly. i'll read so, that book so when you lateral to the bigger department uh at what point in that career when you were there, you're there, you're at a bigger department. It's probably got at that point when you lateral there, it's probably got everything that you need or that you're expecting out of a police department, a well-run oiled machine, a lot of, a lot of things, a lot of opportunity there. At what point when you lateral there, were you making the decision like, okay, I still, this is still my goal. So like, like when you were, when you were there, Right, the day number one when you lateraled, were you still on the mission where mm -hmm. I plan on being being here only a couple of years, or 
or was that a career move for you? And then at some point something happened at that bigger department where you were like, okay, I'm going back to what I wanted to do when I was 18 and let's try to get out of here as fast as I can. Like how did that? Um, the goal for me was always age 35. So I was, I was kind of set on 35. I thought it was kind of a little conservative compared to Mr. Money Mustache doing it at 30. I was like, I could probably do it by 35 given like the math and things like that. Um, and then there were some things that accelerated it where, um, what I wanted to happen at this other department wasn't happening and I wasn't getting into the positions I wanted to be in. They were losing spots. Uh, they were losing detectives and tech guys and canines and all this stuff. So I was just seeing all these opportunities go away. And then I started to get to where I was getting sick of going to work and I was leaving my house every day and I was like, I just don't want to do this. I don't want to, yeah. I don't want to do this. Full that time and I was getting sick of missing mm -hmm. holidays and cookouts and, you know, things with family or friends going on. And um, were, you, were you on a permanent shift or were you working a certain shift there? Did you guys rotate? Like, how a did you... bit. We didn't, not like you do where it's, you're switching so often, but um, I mainly did afternoons and midnights and I did different stints on each shift, but. Were you an afternoon or midnight guy? Did you like midnights? I or? liked midnights when I first started. It was a good shift to be aggressive and, you know, like things like that. And uh, mm -hmm. then the sleep and stuff like that started to get to me. And um, so then I did a majority yep. of my time on afternoons. I did one last stint on midnights right before I left. And uh, so up there and just on that topic up there, you guys, you guys have to switch shifts every now and again. Uh, it depends. No, not necessarily. It depends yeah, on your it's apartment. By department. Oh, they see, ours go by ours go by seniority entirely. If yeah. you're on patrol, you get to pick which shift you want based off of your seniority on the department. And so, like, mm -hmm. I don't like I know people that do rotating shifts. So you guys, is that what you're? So you spend six months on day shift, and then you have to go to afternoons. Or me, beginning of the year, I'm on day shift now, and yeah. I'm gonna be on day shift until the day that's which not gonna happen anymore because i'm so high up now i'm okay i say high up but i mean i'm old as shit now on my department that i'll be on day shift because that's i'm I, i'll get that pick but yeah. you guys so you guys have think, to switch. i think that's what i think that's what some departments try to avoid honestly really? i think they avoid i think a lot of departments at least around us try to avoid having your young guys just get burnt out, you know, because the exactly. older guys are just riding around day shift for okay, the I next don't... 10, 12 yeah. years. And so I think, I think there's a little change in the, in the ideology of how healthy or unhealthy it is for their officers, young officers to constantly be working midnights or yeah. afternoons for the first 12, 13 years of, of their career. Um, but at the same time, there's health risks and, and you feel like garbage when you're rotating every month, yeah. like some departments do. I mean, like my department, rotates days afternoons midnights they used to do it every yeah. month so you go from days and afternoons and midnights some do three month stints some do four months some do you know a year like I, i've heard them all you know and i don't know if there's even a good a good theory on how to do it but you know like yours you have these old guys that you know have been doing a job for 25 years and they're right out day shift for the next six years and just lock up those day shifts the spots. problem with it is our day you shift know, down here now is so busy like i would honestly go back to third shift i loved it i love the work of it but with kids you can't so that's why i choose day shift but i see exactly what you're saying because we have an abundance of new kids and they're all being shoved right into the damn fire and mm -hmm. they're gonna stay there 
you're you're basically told and yep. it's basically a, a reason that they're going to look for a way out look for a way to go to state or another opportunity or something like that because well hell why not i'm going to be stuck on second shift the next eight years at least i'll have an opportunity to do something else over there so yeah. i see your point in that sure yeah right so going back to sorry uh, i have Matt, when you went i have your... conversational adhd matt if you haven't picked oh, up on that <laughs> So when you were cool. at your larger department and then you started seeing all your opportunities go away, like all the all the ideas of what you wanted to do as a cop and those opportunities started dwindling, what what couple moves did you do to try to set yourself up faster? So was it like a deferred comp thing? Was it a you know, you I'm I'm going on a very limited budget, I'm not eating out anymore, I'm not like what what changes did you make from when you're like, okay, I need to do this faster? And what were the main things that you did? Do you remember yeah, when you were so at, the, that, at that bigger the department? The biggest thing and what the bigger department allowed is I got paid more there. So my savings rate was very high. I had a savings rate of like 60 to 70%. So that of each, of each, of each check. check. Yeah. And is now did you do the like, is you do the after taxes part or just before taxes? You got to take 60 to 70 before taxes and so I had money going into my 457, which is like a 401k that, you know, most people get or things like that. 457 is just like the government type of, it's basically like a traditional IRA type account for, for police officers. So I was maxing that out, which is 19,500 a year, I believe. Um, I was doing that. I was doing a Roth IRA on the side and I was investing just into regular like stock funds. Um, so I was pumping money into that and one, like David mentioned, like, you know, were you saving on eating out? I definitely wasn't. That was, that was going to be my next question. Like, dude, do you just ride a bike everywhere you go and yeah. live in a cardboard box in Dave's backyard? Yeah. <laughs> Ramen noodles and rollerblades is always doing. Yeah. How the, like I've gone through my bills over the last couple of months to see my, just my little expenditures that I don't even realize I'm making it sometimes. I'm, I'm talking about four or $500 a month. Mm -hmm. on on gas station and uh grocery on royal you know, donut shut your mouth yes it is a royal donut <laughs> i steph offers to show us my breakdown or our breakdown of what we spend on food every month and i don't even want to look at it like i, I just don't want to know yeah, nope. don't want to know i don't want nope. to know what i do what we spend as a family at, at eating yeah. out it's a painful thing to watch nauseous you still have a, you have a normal house you have a car all that stuff and you're still able to do all this stuff Yes. Um, a lot of people might not call my cars normal. I generally drive like older 20 year old cars that grandmas or grandpas owned or things like that. So, you know, that was one thing I get made fun of a lot about because I'd be driving this old Buick Century or Toyota Camry or whatever. And but like, who are you cop, trying to impress? So who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah. Every cop has a new lifted truck with, you know, I got your six uh, stickers in the back. And, you know, yeah. 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 Man, not me. Mm -mm, don't like that shit. <laughs> Yeah, you know F one fifties, right? Sixty seven fair lane though. Mm -hmm. I got a fifteen hundred horsepower Mustang though. <laughs> I also have a bank, still a bank account that says two hundred dollars. <laughs> You're still rolling up in that truck like he's describing. Yeah, so. Normal truck. Yeah. So um, right. part of it is you know eating out was always one of my things I would end up spending a lot of money on. It was like a convenience thing for me. I didn't like going through the motions of cooking and stuff like that. Yep. And I mean, let's be honest. You also worked at a department that you had endless 
amounts of choices yes, to eat out was, at. I mean, your large department you work at, Dave. Like, but <laughs> yeah, your old department. What'd you have? Bozos, yes. hot dogs, and and yeah, yeah. And, and and a and a euro yeah, place. And that was it. So, yeah. And uh, yeah, but your new department. I mean, you had just endless. Well, you could you probably go eat anywhere. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. So, so that definitely changed things up. And um, so the three biggest expenses most people have are their housing, food, and transportation. Right. So if you like, if one of the first things you can do is just try and get a handle on those things and not spend tons of money on them, um, you're already ahead of the game. So food was one of my things, but I spent a lot less money on my cars or my house or things like that than most people did. So that's kind of how I justified it. Um, but back to like your initial question, the first thing I did was I was saving as much money as I possibly could. And the way I got around that was I didn't budget. I didn't, um, you know, I wasn't looking at my bank statements every month, wondering exactly how many dollars I'm spending here or there. What I did is I did what's called like paying yourself first. So I would have money automatically going into my investments. And I knew exactly every month how much was being put in there. Mm-hmm. Um, let's just say two grand a month is going into investments and my checks are three grand. Then I know I have a thousand dollars that I could do whatever I want with. And I could use it guilt-free on anything that I want. And I don't have to like budget because I already know that my savings goal is being met. Um, so that's like one good tip I think a lot of people can use is paying yourself first because you don't have to take you don't have to take time you know every week or every month to budget and to go through that and a lot of people hate doing that. Um, and I I think a lot of people are just scared to look at yeah where their I think that's going. a good point, Dave. Exactly. Like just, I think it's just like turning your back if you don't look at it, it doesn't exist. Yeah. Mentality, you know, and like if people actually sat down and just wrote down where all their money's going like you said pay yourself but a lot of people don't even know how much money they have to be able nope. to pay themselves like they yeah. just, it's kind of just like a a shot in the dark sort of thing like oh i think i can afford this today you know or something like that or i think i can afford this big purchase and then you don't know and you just hope that you know so for you to be able to be that young honestly to be that young and be able to sit down and just know you know where where every dollar of your checks are going and then to be able to have a precise number of what you can spend on yourself guilt-free is is probably a mile and a half ahead of probably 75 to 80% of cops in, in this that are having finance well, issues. Well, and along the lines you know, of what you're time. saying there, Dave, is too, is like it's it's almost polar opposites. So I remember when I first got hired on the department, and it's funny, we, we brought it up how you thought <clears throat> when you first got started, I want to be able to retire by 30 or what you said, 35, being conservative based off of the Mr. Mustache thing. Anyways, but I remember coming out of college, getting hired on at 23, and I remember my thought was, I just don't want to have to live paycheck to paycheck anymore. So my mindset going in was, I just don't want to live paycheck to paycheck anymore. Your mindset was, I'm going to retire within 10 to 15 years. And I think that's where that, that whole polar opposite thing comes in because I didn't know any different. You took yeah. the time to educate yourself on it and you figured out, dude, this is totally a plausible thing. Yeah. And one thing that usually ends up happening is there's this term called lifestyle inflation. And, you know, most of us, especially cops, anyone who gets out of college, whatever, they're making very small amounts of money then, but they're usually very happy. 
they you know might have a small apartment they have kind of a crappy car but you know they're they're living they're making it happen and they're able to cover their bills and stuff like that and then they get the new job and they immediately go buy the brand new car and then they buy the house and then you know all the things that come along with that and as soon as their pay increases their lifestyle increases and every raise they get whatever that money just is immediately gone because they're already thinking in their head what could i spend this money on you know right can i afford that 67 fairly now or can i uh you know move into a bigger house that eighty thousand dollar that eighty thousand dollar dodge yeah. ram you know grab right. a pond in my backyard or uh you know yeah you're damn right dug that by hand yeah. couldn't afford it so i just dug it with a shovel so, uh, here's 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 my sort of mindset on that. And like, not, to, I don't want to, I don't want to stop the train you're rolling on because kind of what we discussed on this before we're half an hour in and dude, we could go for another hour and a half and do another episode of all this stuff with all the yeah, questions that I might have for you. Much. Yeah, you'll have that. So when you say you wanted to put money back, you know, when you got the money, you should, you know, uh, you know, people are thinking, Oh, now I have it. So I, yes, I can spend it. Where do you, what's your take on the, on the thought that, well, here's the thing. Yeah. You're putting all this money back and you're able to retire and you don't have to work as much right now. Um, and then when you turn 50 or 60, you're going to have a bunch of money to put back and spend. So what is your personal motivation for saving all this? Is it just because it's become a hobby and it's something you became good at, or do you have an, like an end goal? So like my mindset is I probably don't save as much as I should. I'm happy to say that because my job pays me well enough in this area that I don't have to worry about looking at how much I made on my paycheck every, every time I get paid. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I, that's a luxury to me down here, but I also have met of the mindset that what's the point in putting all my money, like I wanted that 67 fair lane so I could enjoy it with my kids and stuff. Now I want that race car now so I can enjoy that now. And I don't have to look back and wish I had had done that Yeah. when it comes to the time. So when I'm 60 years old and okay, now I can, cash out all this money man that would have been fun when i was 35 yeah <laughs> you know is, is there any so, sort of yeah there, there's two parts of that so one is you know i'm what i'm doing now is i'm i'm able to enjoy myself at the age of 30 and not have to go to work in that i don't have to wait till i'm 60 to spend this money or to to you know i put myself in a position right. where i can move that age up earlier because a lot of people are like, well, you only live once. Like, why should I wait till I'm 60 when I'm old? And I 100% right. agree with you. And I would much more save money and be in a financial position where I have the freedom to do whatever it is that I want versus waiting till I'm 60 or 65 to have that right. same luxury. Um, Work-life balance. Exactly. Yeah. And then the second part is there's this author. He's an author. He's got his podcast. It's um, His name's Ramit Sethi. And he wrote this book, I Will Teach You To Be Rich. And he talks about this idea of money dials. And basically, like a lot of the times, guys like me who are preaching like this early retirement thing, they might tell you, you need to stop going to Starbucks every day and spending four or $5 on your coffee, or you need to, you can't be buying a new car. You can't do this and that. Like it kind of comes off as judgy in a way. Um, and what he's saying is like, Hey, if that $5 Starbucks coffee every day really improves your day and makes you happier, then by all means, spend the five bucks on coffee. Or if buying the 67 Fairlane is going to really improve your life and make you happy and make you feel fulfilled, then don't let anyone stop you from doing it. 
So like he brings that. up this idea of money dials. And what that is, is like, he wants you to turn up the spending on the things that you think will make your life better and will make you happier. And he wants you to turn down the spending on things that really don't mean that much to you. So, money! Yeah, but buy me another, I, I need another <laughs> case of beer. And you said, so I can buy. And so, strippers, all the strippers, please. Okay, continue, sorry. Yeah. So what do you what do you think about Josh spending twenty six dollars on Jimmy John's <sighs> every episode? It wasn't just that, for me though. Yep, I'm not yeah, a fan of Jimmy John's. I saw bucks. that. Yeah, me either. That, you that slice with, uh, stuff sandwich that one time. You oh, know, right. good. You know what? I'm gonna find that because we we've, we've brought that up now about eight times in our in our podcast, and I don't think people understand really how bad that sandwich was. Yeah, I, really for. Dude, it was terrible. <laughs> and you get that. Your son he gets does. that, right? Yeah, literally. The same thing, Bun, the turkey, cheese. the turkey slim. No, he gets the ham, the slim one. Bun, cheese, yeah. ham, bun. That's it. Fucking twelve bucks. It's terrible. 12. Sorry. Sorry, Olivia. Well, while I look for it, you guys can continue talking about your book. Yeah, so, so like we were talking about, like with this money dial thing, like food is one of the things that I turn the dial up on. Like I I'm okay with ordering out or, you know, getting a pizza, whatever, if it means that I don't have to cook that night or, or whatever, because it's just an enjoyable thing for me. But I drive a cheaper car. You know, I don't have any debt. I um, my housing expenses are low. So, like, I turn the dial down on certain things so that I can turn it up on others. Like, I've been yeah. traveling more. I've been doing things like that. Um, so I'm willing to spend money on things that I think are really going to improve my life and make me happier. And then I just try to like figure out what purchases are not going to do that. And I kind of try and do that with every purchase I make. Like I try and think like, all right, in five days, am I going to regret this and just, you know, be upset that I made this purchase and, and not even want this thing anymore? Or is it something that I, I really want and I've looked forward to for a long time and, and stuff like that. So, yeah. And, and I think we kind of touched on it before. Like it's, it's exactly what you're saying. I like this dials thing. Because you see a lot of people who don't fit the per se mold of the lifestyle that they live, and it, that's that's ultimately what they're doing. You know, the backwoods long mullet, sleeveless shirt wearing hick, riding around in their two hundred fifty thousand dollar RV, pulling their forty thousand dollar you know side by side on a, on a ten thousand dollar trailer, going to the woods every weekend. If you know, because that's what they want to do. That's what they yeah. want to spend their money on. They don't waste it on clothes or designer shit. They put their money on what they are interested in. And so that's yeah. what this guy's kind of preaching. Yeah. And that usually ends up being like experiences, time with like the people that you love, yeah. like, you know, stuff like that. So generally like. You'll Which is see great that, until they take it for granted. Yeah. Spend your money it's, on those vacations and stuff until they expect it. You'll see that like the people who generally have like the most material things generally are sometimes not the happiest people and they're also people who generally have like a very low net worth because sure. every dollar they get they're spending right. on, on whatever it is so there was a guy who wrote another book called the millionaire next door and they did like it was like a 20-year study on millionaires and they found that a very large portion of millionaires are the people who you would never suspect who live right next door to you who wear older clothes, who drive older cars, who, 
you would never in a million years think that they're a millionaire because they just don't fit that that mold that kind of like society has showed us that this is what it sure. means to be a millionaire. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of interesting that generally your people who spend the most have like the lowest net worth and um, you know, so it kind of yeah. Dave, share that. that one. That's a good question since you got yeah. that up there. So um, Dave Ramsey, I I like I for those for those listening to the podcast. Yes, for later, those listening, uh, the question yeah. was yeah later. Uh, what the question is that someone shared? What do you think of Dave Ramsey? Which everybody knows, oh. uh, Dave Ramsey. I, I was making fun of everybody earlier about buying the DVDs. And Dave Ramsey has that key to financial freedom or something like that, right? Is that what it's called? He's written a bunch of different books and things okay. like that. So what do you um, think of him? He's got a podcast. So Dave Ramsey is good, I think, in the way that he's reached so many people. He's done a very good job at marketing and um, reaching a lot of people through books and stuff. Um, he generally uh, focuses more on people who are in debt and getting out of debt, which is a good thing. And I might disagree with him on a few things about how to get out of debt and maybe how to pay off certain high interest accounts or things like that. Like he has some, some psychological things that I kind of disagree with, but, um, at the snowballing thing. Yeah. Like he says, like, he yeah, like he kind of tries to do it as like, Hey, just try and give yourself, um, like a pat on the back for paying off a small thing first. And I think financially that doesn't make sense. I think you should go after like your highest interest debts first and then, you know, go from there. Um, one thing I like about like Mr. Money Mustache versus Dave Ramsey is Mr. Money Mustache doesn't charge money for any of his any of his content. Well, he's and won me over. Dave Ramsey's making a fortune off of, you know, like his books and all that stuff, which is cool. But I like, must. you know, it's I'm I've kind of been in that position as well where like sometimes I'll guide people on their finances and stuff and people are like, You should charge money for that and you should, you know, you can you can make money doing that and I just personally feel bad charging people money who are already in a bad financial position. Right. You know, you know what I mean? So it, it um, kind of makes sense too, because I, I thought about that before. Like, you know, when I had a bit of money to put back, I was like, you know, maybe I should hire somebody to manage this for me. And I'm like, well, how much am I really saving if I'm paying them to help me save it? You know, I, maybe I should just read a yeah. little bit about it, educate yeah, exactly. myself. So does that yeah. mean you recommend that more than anything is just, Listen, seriously, it's not that difficult if you educate yourself on it. Yeah, I think the biggest the biggest step you could take is educating yourself because so many people won't take the next step in saving money or investing or anything because they just feel like they don't know enough about it. And that's kind of I think the biggest step is assessing your situation. Yeah. Like yeah. we were talking about earlier yeah. is actually sitting down and writing your numbers down and saying, "Okay, this is where a majority of my money is going. You know, I, I think, and I kind of describe it as like, or I think of it in my head as like holes in a, a water hose, you know, and like you're at the end of the hose and, and a lot of us don't even know where some of our money's going, you know, whether you subscribe to things and it comes out every, every three months or, or you have certain expenditures that you're not paying attention to and they're just all the withdrawal. You don't know your interest rates. You don't know anything. Right. And by the time that that water hits you at the end of the hose, it's not as strong as you thought it was going to be. Or, or we're all like kind of like cringing when we look at our checking account online yeah. because we're like, oh, that's not as, yeah. as much as I thought I had, yeah. you know? And I think the biggest thing is just to sit down and, 
evaluate your finances and where all your money's going and where you can pinch the things. Because like you were saying, those three things, the money, the food, and the car are easy. We usually, most of us, I'm speaking on at least me, but I feel a majority of us know how much we spend on our car and our house. I feel like those are the two solid numbers that a lot of us understand uh, in our finances. But when you start talking about food, uh, I make fun of my wife all the time, but it's not really that big of a deal to me. But I don't want to know the money we spend at Dunkin' Donuts because we get two coffees a day, yeah. you know, from that thing. But like that's a little hole in the hose. Yeah. You know, the Terrible. subscriptions, the Disney Plus, the Netflix, the Hulu's, the yeah. you know, those are all little holes. The, the the interest rates on our credit cards. We have three, four credit cards and they're all different interest rates. You know, the interest rates on certain things. And and it's just I think once you sit down and put all that on paper and you can really realize where you can put a band-aid on or or eliminate, like you were saying. The highest interest stuff go after first because that's really the probably the biggest hole in your water hose is those big interest rates, those twenty something percent credit cards, you know, or school loans. You know, I'm still paying off my school loan. I'm almost forty. You know, it's like it's just, it's just, it's such a philosophical analogy you just had there, Dave, with the hose and the holes and. I made that up. Proud of you, right now. Like literally, I'm having a a moment. That's that's how I look at. Well, that's I just shared with you how I look at my life. I yeah. this hose that's just dripping and everything goes Dave's through the holes. Got hose so I'm at with leak problems. You should probably have that look. I got penicillin, moxicillin, sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah. So I, Dave, I had a yeah. buddy who was in. I think he had about thirty six thousand dollars in debt, and he was really sick of of his job that he was working in. And um, sign me I, up. I sat down with him for a minute. And within one night, we realized he had three gym memberships when he was only going to one. He was he, like, re- he just realized, realized. Yeah. like he was paying uh, he was paying for supplements every month, like well over a hundred dollars a month for supplements because he was kind of like a big fitness mm-hmm. guy. He was paying like one hundred eighty dollars a month for cable. So within one night, he got back to me. He's like, "Dude, I just cut like two hundred fifty dollars a month off by canceling these subscriptions." like getting rid of these things that didn't matter anymore. So sometimes it's like, there's like some shame in like looking at like your credit card statement or something, but and people will like, it's a psychological thing. They will completely ignore it. Just not have to face it. But and it's 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 sort of like an entitlement thing. Maybe like we were talking about or like when you get to the point where you not necessarily live in paycheck to paycheck. So my check gets directly deposited and all my bills pretty much get paid out of that, out of that account. Right. So Mm -hmm. I'm not that worried about it. I know my bills are getting paid. And so yeah. you don't pay attention every time you swipe and renew it, but it becomes difficult when you actually go and you look at your statement. And you're like, holy shit, what am I spending money on? Yeah. And that's why I really like yeah. the idea of paying yourself first and like setting a savings goal and then having that automatically taken out of your account. And then you don't have to worry about what you're spending your money on because then you're making sure that you don't take out too much money and you don't overdraw, but right. you know that your savings and your investing is all already taken care of. So you're at that large department. We still haven't even gotten to when you. Yeah, no kidding. So you're there and uh, you're making some choices and you're making some decisions on on cutting some habits and and putting yourself maybe investing some more into some of your accounts or going a little bit heavier. At some point uh, when you decided to pull the plug, I'm assuming there were numbers in your accounts that made you comfortable to be able to do that. And once you did that, what was the next plan? So 
I'm assuming you looked at your accounts and, and you're in on one hand, you're like, okay, I get paid this much from this police department. I get these benefits. I get all this stuff, but here are my accounts. Here's everything that I've worked hard for the last 10 years for. I feel like it could supplement what this department's paying, but you had to have a plan when you pulled the plug. Right. And, and what was your plan? So what was the, what was the goal when you handed in that resignation letter? You said, Hey, look, I'm, I'm 30. Were you 31 when you retired 30. or 30. So when you submit your, your retirement letter to your chief at 30, 30 years, years old, old and say, Hey, I'm, I'm done. And it wasn't on April 1st. Um, the chief believed um, you. No. It was like <laughs> April 13th. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what was the, what was the plan then? So after that, you, obviously you had plans for that money that you saved up, yeah, so you know, to, to grow. Mm -hmm. One, one part of it is there's this, uh, this rule in like the financial independence community called the 4% rule. And they did this big study to try and find out how much money you would need when you actually leave your job and retire. So there was this big study done and they determined that you are generally going to be safe and you will not run out of money if you only withdraw 4% of like your total nest egg per year. So um, if you have a million dollars saved up, that's withdrawing $40,000 per year. And so if you withdraw $40,000, theoretically, you should not run out of money. So that was kind of like one of the guiding principles that I followed um, to know like how much money I should save up versus like what I would be spending per year. So you have to figure out what your your annual expenses are, generally probably like average it over a few years. And then then you kind of give yourself like an idea. Mm -hmm. So one thing I did to kind of like counteract that, too, is I started to get into real estate investing. Um, so real estate investing was something that was super scary for me. I didn't want to do it. Um, as a police officer, I saw, you know, people having to get evicted, trashing houses, like constant landlord tenant issues. And I wanted nothing to do with that because I wanted like my investment structure to be as stress free, uh, stress free as possible. Did you so, have like a, a, like, you know, for lack of better terms, a father figure in that regard, like that showed you an example on this real estate, like what made you turn your attention to that? Like somebody you knew did it as well that you were close with and they kind of broke it down for you or why did um, you, why did you go to that? Part of it was listening to, um, podcasts and different things like that, hearing people who got into real estate and like strictly real estate and invested in it and how it turned out well for them. And right things like that. Um, no one close to me that was doing it, like no family members, anything like that. So it was like this big fear of mine. I, I think I took probably a year or two of just studying it, listening to podcasts on it, uh, like looking it up online, like trying to find out the ways that I could be successful in it. Um, and I also kind of a buddy of mine joined me in it and we created a partnership and um, so that kind of took a little distress off because I knew it wouldn't be like hundred percent right. on me. Um, cause how did that, how did that, uh, conversation happen? So you're, you're thinking about just kind of getting your feet wet in the real estate realm and you meet another buddy who yeah. is kind of in the same boat, like doesn't want to take the full risk, but it's willing to go the 50, 50 route yeah. and kind of like, how did, how did that work? Well, a so, buddy of mine, he had a decent amount of money saved up and he was in the same position that a lot of people are. He's like, I don't know what to do with this money. Um, so he trusted mm -hmm. me and we had a good relationship and we started talking about it. And um, he kind of had some strengths in like the, 
the like handyman side of things and fixing things and dealing with those. And then I kind of had like the strengths and the financial aspect of it. And so mm. we, we started talking about it. We had spoke to some attorneys and we wanted to come up with like an agreement to try and think of anything that could possibly happen where this partnership could go wrong. And this attorney kind of told us something interesting. He's like the best partnerships you could have are just one person like in the deal. The mm -hmm. second best two mm -hmm. people, the third best is three people, the fourth best is four. So basically saying that the, the best partner you could have is yourself. And then the more people you start adding, the more it complicates things. Um, so we wanted to make sure that we like covered all of our bases, like, hey, we're probably going to have some disagreements along the line. And if we do, how are we going to handle those? Yeah, especially so, when you have different roles and, you know, how much is his time yeah. worth repairing and fixing things and how much is your time worth? you know, yeah, on, the, on the paperwork exactly. end of it. Yeah. And we try and split things as equally as we can and like help out with each other and stuff and, and split the tasks. But like, we were thinking like, you know, what happens if all of a sudden he has some unexpected like financial issue and he wants to sell this place? What are we going to do if, if he wants to sell and I don't, or what are we going to do if, if he gets divorced or if one of us dies or so yeah. we were just trying to like think all these things through and put it on a legal document so that we would have an answer to what would happen if if one of those scenarios did did occur. So that was kind of like the first part of it. Like we wanted to legalize it, um, form an LLC, which you can just simply do online. Um, that kind of like takes the liability off of you personally. And um, then we just kind of started looking at properties and it was it took a little while to find something. And uh, we eventually got like our first condo uh, property and it's done very well. Was that what you're looking for? Um, uh, like a multi-unit kind of structure yeah, or were you guys we kind of planning on just a house well, or initially our thought process was like, Hey, let's just get a single unit because then we could kind of learn along the way mm -hmm. how to find a tenant, how to collect rent, how to list the place online. Um, like what are we going to do, um, in terms of like having a bank account and funneling money in and, all that stuff. So we thought like, Hey, this might be a lot easier if we just do one single unit versus buying sure. a four yeah. unit property or a six unit, and then having to deal with all that added stress. Um, so that's right. where we started. And then him and I together now have nine units. And then I have nine units in one building we or have one, you mean units complexes. as in we have, complexes we have one single or unit building, uh, one single unit condo. And then we have an eight unit, um, kind of like commercial property. Okay. that we, that we okay. own together. And then I have another single unit, um, on my own that I, that I had single unit. Does that mean Just one apartment house yes. or apartment single okay, unit that apartment. I have is like a townhouse kind of, um, so okay. it's like a three story townhouse. And then the other one mm -hmm. is like a two story condo that we have. Um, okay. so right. that's kind of how we got started. And our goal for both of us was like, how can we make a decent amount of money while not being on the phone constantly, you know, dealing with bad tenants, fixing toilets, like mm -hmm. doing all right. that type of stuff. Right, How yeah. can we make this like as stress-free as possible? Because we both worked full-time jobs at the time as well. So um, right. the biggest, anyone getting into real estate, the biggest thing you can do is really take time and finding a good tenant and do your homework and you know, look these people up on Facebook. Man, that's that's uh, tough. Though. <laughs> no, like it's one of those things. Like, yeah, you. It's it's all good in theory until that guy gets in there and he's got a bathtub full of human feces and things like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. So 
just do do the best you can because some people, yeah some people will put out a posting and the first person who calls they're like you got it it's all yours and then they end up dealing with problems forever and they have to get right. evicted or whatever so um do your homework with that for sure that's that's a huge part of it um so that was part of the plan so when you pulled the plug at the larger department that was part that was one of the plans that yeah. you had in, in your mind that you wanted to invest how long have in, you been doing that real already? estate so I, I started uh, doing that in 2020, and that is what accelerated me being able to retire at 30 versus 35. So I talked about like that 4% rule and stuff like that. Um, I would have had to save up a lot more money, and I would have needed time, probably five more years to do so, um, to reach like that 4% rule number. But by investing in real estate, I now get money put into my account monthly from rent. So I have now have accessible money that I get monthly that I can put towards like my monthly expenses and stuff like that. So having that really pushed uh, the date forward for me. And um, was it when, when you guys did your initial investment, was it basically, Hey, here's the price. And then you paid half in cash. He paid half in cash. Or was it a thing that like somebody took on the lien and the payments were made by like what was it what's the best way that you learned to just like only buy what you can pay cash for and then just everything else gets saved after that um no i mean i'm definitely all for leveraging the bank if you can and using the bank's money to invest um, right unfortunately for us i don't know i mean it, it could work out both ways but the way that it was structured with this initial condo that we bought we could not get a loan on it because it didn't meet certain standards that the loan officer and the banks have set up. So we paid cash for it. So him and I split it right down the middle. It's paid yeah. off and now we get monthly rent from it. Um, the other one we ended up doing a loan on and we actually use something called seller financing, which is like a whole other topic, but it's basically where the seller acts as the bank and then you don't have to go through a bank to get a loan okay. um, and you can structure a deal with them. Essentially on buying it. on contract. Yes. Yeah, yeah, like a land contract is another name for yeah. it or yeah. Um, so we did that with that one. And then the other one I just did straight up through the bank and got a mortgage from. So mortgages and real estate like investments are the one area where I would encourage people to sometimes take on debt because you you're having to use less of your own personal money to earn money from an investment. But I would never tell someone so to you know, spend extra money on their credit card and not pay it off and then have to pay 17%, 20% in interest type thing. But, All right. So let me just go off and piggyback off this topic a little bit. So if you have someone who's watching or listening tomorrow or whatever, who doesn't have, you know, a lot of money in the account, you know, they, they single, married, whatever, whatever their case, but let's say they just have you know, a comfortable amount of money or they're, they're coming into a couple extra I'm dollars literally sitting there. right here and you're talking and, about and they and they want to <laughs> dabble in real estate, but they just really don't know what to do. They know they want to maybe be a landlord. Some people, you know, want to buy a rental yeah. property. Maybe someone wants to get into Airbnb. Maybe someone wants to do um, a condo, just buy a condo. And like, like I've always talked about, I've always wanted to try to get an Airbnb in like Nashville yeah. or something because yeah. I feel like you yep. can fill that yeah. you can fill that every week yeah. like Nashville is one of those destinations where there's never a dead time so um if you're if you're talking about doing that like what 
for someone, let's start off at the low. Like, you know, someone that's just getting in, they don't have a lot of capital. They don't have a lot of equity. They don't have the cash on hand to be able to, to start that. Do you suggest based on your experience going through this real estate thing with your buddy, um, to even take the risk or, yeah. you know, do they, Dave so, wants to know if you, you have a hose take... with some holes in it, yeah. you have a hose. Oh, Josh. Yeah. yeah. Without hoses, please. Without holes. I have plenty of holes in my hose. I would just like one without holes, please. But um, just going back yeah. off that question, like just recommendations or tips for Proceed. somebody maybe so starting off. If I was young, younger, I would, what I would do is a thing called house hacking. House hacking is where you, let's say you buy a two unit property. So you buy a duplex, you have a side-by-side -side unit you would move into one of them and live in it as your primary residence and then rent the other one out. And by renting that other one out, let's say, you know, your mortgage payment is a thousand dollars and the rent that you're getting from the other unit is a thousand dollars. You're then paying the mortgage and living rent free. And you're also having a property now building equity in it, things like that. And so basically you can put a very small amount down, sometimes three and a half to 5% down on one of these properties. So it's, it, you know, if you have $150,000 property, you're putting less than 10 grand down um, or around 10 grand. And then what happens is after a year, you can do this whole process again. And you can continue doing this where you live in one unit, rent the other one out. Now you're amassing properties, you're filling mm -hmm. them with tenants and you're collecting rental income. And initially you're starting by having someone who is your neighbor. So you want to pick a good tenant because you now have to live next door to them. You would then like kind of, yep. you kind of get like the idea of what it's like to be a landlord and to deal with issues and stuff like that. So like a young college student or something like that, um, it would be a great opportunity for them to get involved in real estate investing and then be able to build their portfolio over time. Um, right. Now, for someone who's older, like, you know, my age, I'm 30 now, I would not want to live next to someone like that. Or, you know, I would kind of want my own space. My advice to that person would be to educate yourself as much as possible. And there are so many podcasts out there on real estate investing. A big one is known as Bigger Pockets, the Bigger Pockets podcast. They have probably thousands of episodes on real estate investing and things like that. And just by listening to those, you'll gain so much knowledge on, on what it takes to, to be a landlord and to invest and how you could get into it with small amounts of money. Like the seller financing we talked about, that's usually one way a lot of people will do it where they don't have to have a large down payment. Um, so there's so many different ways that you could structure it and that you could end up like start kind of like building your own little empire and um i think that's that's the first place to start is just simply educate maybe your... steps essentially just ease yeah. your way into it don't go gung-ho empty the savings account yeah and expect to get immediate so, results exactly so i've also seen i've also seen discussions on the internet when it comes to real estate investing where They'll tell you, look, if you don't have a lot of money, you find someone to invest in it and then you manage it, mm -hmm. you know, and and just coming from someone who owns properties. Right. So you have, you own properties, you own your eight units or whatever, and you're managing those. If someone came to you and said, hey, I found this property down the street, you know, and I'm willing to manage it. Would you be willing to invest in it? You know, if you have buddies, is that anything that you've that you've heard of through 
through mutual you know, yeah. uh, friends of yours that are into that or anything like that? Is that something that you, you know, get, an investor you get approached would, a lot about be. people that want or want you to help them do their investing based off of your knowledge? Is yeah. if that's what you're asking, Dave? Yeah. Well, and also, I don't know who's listening to this. Yeah. You know, someone may have no money. You know, someone may have right. no money. You know, someone may just not have a lot of a lot of income. So I'm trying to think of options that they would have. And I've heard of that yeah. theory before, where they say, "Hey, look, if you don't have a lot of money, you can still go find investors in properties, but then offer your hard work." Yeah you know, as, as your payment, like you'll manage the property, you'll be the landlord, you'll be the one that goes and, and does all that. The investor will still make money, but you're also now getting your feet wet. You're building some equity. You know, you're being able to, to make money on that. And then now you can then like Matt said, build your empire yeah. from just hard work and sweat and grit, you know, and I'm just trying to see if that is an option for someone out there. I mean, people don't have money. Yeah. Some people don't yeah. have money and they got to start from the bottom. Yeah. You know, so is that something that if someone approached you and and it showed you a good property that you didn't see, you know, would that be something that as an I don't even know if you're an investor, but even if you were going to invest in a property, that would be something that would, you know, make you curious or at least contemplate yeah. going in with that person. There's, or? there's like a ton of different facets to that there. I mean, with real estate, you have like rehabs, you have um, like people who are going to buy and hold a house and rent it out. You have wholesalers, you have like all these different things. And then like what you were talking about, there's a whole group of people who are called like hard money lenders. And those are people who just simply want to give money out to investors. They generally charge them like a higher interest rate, um, but they allow them to access their money. There's generally a contract written up and things like that to make it legal and to protect them. But I think like what you're referring to is probably much more prevalent among like family or friends. So right. just going mm -hmm. to someone who knows you, they know your personality, they know that they could trust you, they know that you're a hard worker. And, and maybe you know, like, hey, grandma and grandpa are sitting on a pretty good amount of money, and I think they would want to help me out. And I will make a promise to them that I will pay them interest on their money, I will have it paid back in a certain amount of time that I will do all the work related to the property and that, that then they can make a little money off of it. They could help their grandson out yeah. and you know, everyone's happy. Um, those things can also go bad. So you have to be very careful about who you're asking for money because it can ruin relationships sure. for sure. If things, oh, if yeah, things don't sure. end up how you think they're going to end up. Um, so you just have to be very careful that, that you're asking people that you trust or that you're approaching people who you trust and, um, yeah, it's just, it can, it can get, it's a crazy, it's a crazy oh. world. And yeah, you're right. You actually, yeah. you have to vet every single person that you're going in any sort of investment yeah. opportunity with is what you're getting. That's at. a lot of your successful right. real estate investors. That's how they get their start. They have nothing. They started from the bottom and they had nothing, but they hustled and they made contacts with people and sorry, I got drunk in my head now. No. So Right. Um, yeah. That's, that's yeah. And that's just, I just wanted to touch base for that in case someone, someone was listening is like, they're interested, but they just have nothing to offer other than just yeah. hard work, time and dedication to, to where they want to be, yeah. you know, at some point and they don't have the avenues to be able to get their hands on some cash, but they know that they're hard workers. Yeah. So I wanted to see if that was an opportunity. What about, uh, like Airbnbs and stuff you've been contemplating on doing those or 
that's you know, an area where is that a different is that a whole different beast it or? is in a way that you definitely have to have your ducks in a row when it comes to that because there's a lot of moving parts that happen on a daily or weekly basis when it comes to those you have, you to, have to have a management team for those don't you yeah you pretty much have to hire See, somebody that's just going to be able to manage it full time yeah and you have to find a company that you trust because a yeah. lot of those management companies are managing hundreds of properties at a time um, you have to have cleaning crews go in there. You, yeah, I don't remember the last time I've gotten an Airbnb and it's been from an individual person. Like, yeah, I'd say that's all I've used the last two or three years outside of like our trips to Vegas or something like that. Yeah, it's always a big management company now. There's rarely yeah. I, I don't I don't even hardly see individuals. Yeah. So for me, I think they can be very good investments. You can make a lot of money off of them, but I think it would stress me out and maybe cause me to lose sleep a little bit because mm -hmm. it's wondering sure. like is everything taken care of like are the existing you know people who are renting this place going to be out by the time that the new people have to be in and is everything going to be clean and am i getting good reviews on it is you know yeah. like there's just so much to it um there's definitely money to be made especially like you said in areas like nashville and all like vegas places that people are traveling to a lot um yeah. Just never shut down, no matter what season. Yeah, like they're always yeah. up. Yeah, and now, exactly. uh, and and just to kind of further on what Dave's question, because I guess your inquisition on it, Dave, was more along the lines of, well, if you're already having success here, what else would you go into? So what you see, what we see a lot down here, is we have just this influx of what we like to call, no, oh, I don't know what's what's the best term for somebody. What term do you guys use for somebody that? buys up a shit ton of rental properties and just kind of lets them go just slum just lord. well okay so you use the term slumlord yeah. as well slumlord okay. yeah. i'm just making sure we're using mm -hmm. the same term but what what prevents you from seeing well hey i make money on this i make money on this i'm profiting on this i'm profiting on this i've got a little extra hell i could buy 10 15 more properties is it just because you've sort of humbled yourself you want to be able to manage what you can scumbags yes kara thank you but <laughs> essentially like like what prevents you from it do you want just that small type is it better to do just a handful as opposed to you know 20 30 50 yeah. to 100 properties or so there's like this funny story and i'll try and tell it real quick but i might butcher it and it's like there's a small guy who lives in this like small fishing town and he has a boat and he goes out each his, day his name is dave yeah he catches just <laughs> enough fish to feed him and his family. And at the end of the That's day, little he blue go and take a nap. And then they go out to dinner and they dance to music and they enjoy life and have a glass of wine. And some guy approaches him and says, hey, why don't you buy, you know, get some employees, get another boat. You could catch way more fish. And then once you do that, you can move to a different location. You can build like a building where you start a fishery and you, you know, you're, you're going to be making so much more money. And, and the guy's like, well, then what? And then you, you know, you become like the CEO and you have all these employees and now you're a corporation and it's like this huge company and you're making tons of money. And the guy's like, well, then what? He's like, well, then, you know, you and your wife can do whatever you want. You could go take a nap. You could have a glass of wine at dinner and dance and the, all this stuff. And the, the moral of the story is like the guy was able to do that while just getting enough to kind of like feed his family and do all that in the beginning. He can right. really go through all that stuff. So sometimes people um want to take on a ton and make as much money as they possibly can but 
the way that I see that is it it's just all these added stressors and you're doing all that extra just to get to the same point exactly and sometimes having more money isn't always a good thing like it, it can right. it can do harm in your life as well like especially if you're not doing the right things with it you know and hey uh, listen i know a lot of things that money's gonna make me happy though too <laughs> just yeah, throwing that out there yeah. right? no for sure so you money just, can't <laughs> solve all that. i know a lot of fucking problems i got the money's gonna solve all right i'm <laughs> sorry again olivia i didn't mean to cuss yeah, so it's just like it's just finding like a place in life where you're content and figuring out what that is, and that's going to be different for everyone. Like I have a buddy who's doing kind of the same thing as me with real estate, but he's buying six unit buildings, and he's he's just gotten his second one in a year, and he wants to buy another one and another one and another one. So he's going to be he's, he's going to have slow. He's going to have 12, 18, 20 tenants <laughs> that he's going to manage. And for me, I'm just oh, this sounds like way too much, but. He's going to do well financially from it, but um, you just have to weigh the pros and cons of it, I guess. So so we are now, like I told you, just, an hour just, and 12 minutes into this podcast by. and it just flies by. But I wanted to touch base on one last thing that you 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 felt very important that you wanted to talk about. And that's a, a legacy letter, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and you wanted to kind of go over what that is and why you believe it's important for the people that are viewing us right now and might listen later. So why don't you go on and think and at least explain why you believe that that's a, an important thing that probably everyone should incorporate. Yeah. So I mean, like uh, in their lives, so much of like this financial stuff is just trying to put yourself in a position where you can care for your family. You have time and freedom to spend time with those that you love and to do the things that you enjoy. And a lot of it, when you're talking about finances, you start to think about death. And when you're not around anymore, how are the loved ones around you going to be taken care of? And, you know, what legacy per se are you going to leave behind? So I had taken a class and this guy brought this legacy letter up and it, it really hit me. And I was like, this is something I need to do. Um, and he said, like, in this letter, you could write multiple letters if you want. It doesn't have to all be one letter. It could be addressed to different people but those who kind of mean the most to you and you should write to them and you don't have to give it to them immediately or whatever, but write, write something down, have a file for it and just tell this person what they mean to you and, and all these things so that when you're no longer here, they know, because a lot of times while we are here, we're not letting the people we love the most know how much we love them or what they mean to us, or maybe certain things that they've done that had an impact on our lives. So it's just kind of like documenting that in a very thoughtful way, but also including like things like um, passwords for financial accounts, banks accounts, um, you know, social security numbers, things like that, where someone you trust, like your wife or parents or something, they can access it in the right. case that you're not around anymore, then they now have access to those accounts. In these letters too, you could also say, you know, like, hey, I've saved up this amount of money and this is kind of what I want done with it when I'm gone. You know, I would I would like you guys to go enjoy a family vacation or I would like you to um, put the kids in, in this sport or buy them an instrument or, um, you know, I yeah, want you to, to get the house that you've always wanted or, or whatever it is, let them know what you wanted to be done with that money. So then when you're gone, they're not constantly thinking like, you know, would Dave or Josh like be mad that I spent money on this or what they wanted right. me to do this or, um, right. Who's so, getting my 67 pair lane and <laughs> yeah, <Right>. exactly. 
<laughs> who's, so, who's gonna yeah. finish paying the note on my fair lane <laughs> yeah so it just kind of like sets the tone for what you want to happen like do you want to be cremated do you want to be buried do you you know like there's so many things that your family is going to have to deal with when you're gone that right it's good for you to outline those so that you could take the stress off of them in those situations yeah. where so out, outside of essentially a will it, this is something that, that's more of a private yeah uh personal thing yeah that you're leaving behind individually for loved ones yeah exactly. yeah that's awesome that's a great idea yeah that's a good idea yeah I, so so what are uh you know, before we get into the uh, Donut Be This Person segment, ah. everyone's favorite, ah. what Josh found somewhere deep in the, the world wide webs. Right. What, uh, if you could just leave one tip, you know, for anyone watching, just kind of, kind of one last suggestion. You know, you got, you got people that are halfway through their career looking to make, you know, some changes or can invest a little extra money here or there coming across some things. Their their Dogecoin is doing well or whatever, and they found themselves doing good on this. I don't know. That's what yeah. I hear. Doge. Doge. What is, what is you, if you had one what, hot button topic, one hot button bit of advice that you could give people and you had yeah. a minute to give it, what was it? But you can have more than me. You can have all the time you fucking want. I don't care. I mean, I think the biggest overall thing is just to seek financial freedom. So the early retirement thing might not be for everyone. Um, you know, investing in certain things like real estate might not be for everyone. But I think everyone could get on board with being financially free, meaning that you have enough money to cover like an unexpected um, expense that comes up. Or maybe you're miserable in your job and you want to leave and you want to go somewhere else and try something out or you want to travel. You now have the freedom to do so. You don't have to right. worry about those monthly bills and are they being paid? Are they, you know, you know, all of that's taken care of. So if you can, one term they give it is FU money. So if you can build up enough FU money where potentially you could tell your boss someday, hey, FU, I'm out of here then I think it will drastically improve your life and it will improve your relationships. Like finance issues are number two reason for divorce. So number two, one, what's the number one? Yeah. Number one is uh, number one. finance is infidelity. Number two infidelity. because infidelity. marriage is complete shit. Yeah. No. So <laughs> I, I think that would, what are you, what are you looking at me bye, for? Bye. Bud? <laughs> I don't Wait, have that's, that's a shot. At I don't Steph. have Steph. Steph's gonna get. You're, Steph's gonna get mad at you. You're lucky you have Steph, that, so. or you're asked to be out on the street somewhere. Yeah, you're I am right. right. Damn you're right. That's right. true. Should I should be doing this podcast from a street corner. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, uh, I appreciate. I think we, we got to have yeah, it's not enough. Worth, we got to have you info. Back. I feel like there's could be three parts Honestly, to this yeah. kind of we series. We didn't really get into your story, but you know, yeah, there's a lot we didn't. So we. Yeah, and, and that's there's, what happens. There's a ton. All right, that's that's a thing with us. Yeah. But I think we 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 touched on a lot of things that I think can relate to others. Yeah. You know, and I mm -hmm. think it's a it's basically a mindset. I, I feel based on what we've talked about, and once you enter that mindset and you're able to really sit down and tackle so that, much willpower. I think yeah, yeah it is a lot. You know, Jesus, yeah. gotta skip the gotta skip the Duncans and, yeah. and tape those holes in your in your hose and. And be ready to go, but I'm a, uh, I'm a big uh, Jocko Willing fan. You guys follow Jocko at all? Yeah, 
So his whole saying is like discipline equals freedom. And this is a definitely an area where that applies. If you have discipline, like in the financial aspect of your life, it equals freedom. You know, you can do the things that you want to do when you want to do them. Right. You could be, you know, so, and that's almost everything in life. If you have discipline and you're disciplined in whatever area of your life it is, you're going to have some freedom in that. So, but you still want to be a cop. See, you still couldn't just yeah, let it go. No. And huh? again, still, still holding on to that part time, touch base part time, all little... of that. Like, what led you to that? And where did all this? Yes. Yeah, so we, oh, we will. You, we've, Matt, before Matt, we end this episode, I'll, I'll let them come back. I'll let no. Oh, we'll, before this end of this episode, we'll we'll let him explain a little bit where yeah, he's at. Yeah, tell the story, and, Matt, and, and share share his share his business card and and let people know what what he's offering everybody yeah, and, and how he can help people and and all that. So, but right now we're going to do the Josh Donut Be This Person segment. Uh, I'm excited to hear if you can top the last two weeks. So let's get Josh up on the screen and get his and get his graphic up Give there. Graphic up here. There you go. All right, fellas, um, we all know that feeling because we're getting to be men of a certain age where um, you don't usually make it the whole night without having to wake up and go to the bathroom, right? I mean, we're all in agreement here. So, oh, Jesus Christ, this is crazy. Um, somewhere I outside of- I'm not going to share the website you no, get this stuff not. from. I shared the websites that Matt gets his stuff from, but I'm not going to share where <laughs> somewhere you Somewhere outside Bolivia. A young man woke up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. He felt like he had to go to the bathroom. Um, and in doing so, found himself, and I'm not kidding about this, found himself he'd been placed in a coffin and buried as a human sacrifice in the ground. He woke up to go what? to the bathroom and realized that he was in a coffin underground and had been buried as a human sacrifice. So this Hold guy on. outside Bolivia, he was. It's, let me let me let me preface this with this gentleman. Yes. Uh, he admittedly had been drinking heavily the night before at the opening of the Mother Earth Earth Festival, where indigenous people offer everything from live animals and sheep fetuses to sweets and cocoa leaves for the goddess and blah blah blah. And he didn't realize apparently there was a line formed for the human sacrifices, and his drunk ass got into it. Wait, there was a line. I don't know. I probably do that. Part, I probably do that oh, out okay. of proportion. But somehow he ended up being volunteered in his drunken state to be one of the human what? sacrifices. He was able to um, push the coffin open. Uh, <laughs> Jesus Christ! He, he he took some this sort is... of glass that had been buried with him in this human sacrifice thing, and he used the glass. He broke inside the coffin. Was able to kind of nudge it open and start digging and so he would dig the dirt and it would come into there and he eventually got to the point where he was able to dig it back out he says the last thing he remembered is he went dancing <laughs> and the next thing he knew he woke up to go to the bathroom and was underground in a coffin as a human sacrifice so Wait, needless to say out? he got out he's out he's alive there's actually a picture of him on here and everything um <laughs> I think it's called the term suit. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you are out um, celebrating the um, opening of the Mother Earth Festival and you have a few drinks and you decide to get your groove on, 
try to avoid the human sacrifice line. <laughs> and oh don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. Yeah, he did not write he a legacy letter. letter. That's why he dug himself there. out. That's why he dug out. He's like, I got to yeah. get his legacy letter He had to out. get out. He had tenants calling him to fix their water heater. And oh, yeah. <laughs> You see, you see all these pictures of guys passing out in college, and they're getting stuff written all over their yeah. face. And this guy probably passed out and ended up underground as a sacrifice. He was a sacrifice. That's crazy. Don't be that That's, guy. Uh, well, don't be this guy. So that was a good yep. one. That was yep. a good one. My favorite one's still the Sasquatch one, though. You haven't, or the, or what was it? The eight hundred confiscated severed wieners that were on 7, a ship 000. that got. St- what? <laughs> severed penises found on a cargo ship and they were black market penises black market yeah, they were going to be sold on the black market go. Oh. severed penises Matt's like Matt, Matt's looking at it as an investment opportunity he's like how do I how do I invest in one of those cargo <laughs> ships no <laughs> no alright well that was a good one I hope you guys are ready for your dad jokes ah uh, yeah because this is I got where, one right up your alley. I'm surprised where... you didn't know already, Dave. Well, maybe I just haven't said it. Well, I, I think so. So far, we've been lucky enough to have a couple of guests. And I think our guests should go first. Okay. Well, Matt, we're going to put you in the yep. spotlight here. All right. So we're going we're gonna to listen to this dad joke. You're in. I got a finance one for you. We... Okay. All right. Legacy letter. Why if was that's the answer? If it's good enough, why, I'm giving it to Dundee. Why was the mortgage sad? Because it was being paid by me, or what? Because <laughs> there's no interest. Because it's always a loan. Oh my oh, god! That is a that is guy. a that's a. It's a platinum dad <laughs> joke right there. That is, you that's one fucking, of those where you're freaking you sorry, you damn money nerds. Yep. Sit back and that giggle about one. that one all the time, don't you? All right. All right. Oh, Dave. All right. Josh, you yeah, want to go next, next or you want me to go next? Okay. So, Dave, right. this is one that I'm surprised that you hadn't come up with already, but uh, knowing you're a fisherman, Dave, what's the best way to watch a fly fishing tournament do you know the best way matt do you know the best way to watch a fly fishing tournament live stream mm. live stream oh God. live stream <laughs> that's it's very fitting it made me laugh <laughs> it made me laugh i can't i can't ignore that i that's actually right. laughed at that one that's live, live stream. stream okay all right all right, here we go. What did uh, what did Mike Tyson say to Chris Hemingworth after they worked out? Oh God, I think I know this one. Gotta be something with Iron Man, right? Or I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be with a list, too. Josh, Josh, I, to I'm gonna it. let you go finish ahead, your Josh. joke. You're gonna be Thor tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, man, you're gonna be Thor tomorrow. Uh, come on. No, Mike, <laughs> you're gonna be Thor tomorrow. That's uh, that was that's what I got today. That's what I got today. But I think Matt, uh, I think Matt got that one. Oh, we kept in the subject. He with the, did. With the podcast, it was topical. So. Ha. All right. Yep. So I'll get it. Kaz even guessed yeah. mine. I don't even know how he guessed it. 
That guy. See, look at him. I'm, I'm thinking. You told me He must have heard that's that a, one that's before. That's an impression I would not do in front of that man. Do you guys see those videos that they put out where people would they would have this guy just walk up on the street and they say, "So, what do you guys think of Mike Tyson? What do you, what do you guys think of him getting that tattoo?" And they'd be like, "Man, that, that dude is stupid as hell. I couldn't believe it." And then they'd have Mike Tyson walks out behind him yeah. from a door. And they're like, "Oh, hey." Oh, oh really? Like, I was just kidding. You know, I mean, yeah, it's content, man. <laughs> yeah. Just kidding. Uh, that would be extremely awkward. A bit. So uh, before we end, uh, I want to thank Matt in the coming. Yes. Matt, I'm going to let you kind of explain what you're doing now with mortgages. And while you do yeah, that, I'm you're running kinda... a little side gig. Yeah. Yep. So part of what I did was like that. when I retired, I started working part time as a police officer. And I also got an opportunity to do mortgages. And I wasn't planning on doing this. It just kind of fell into my lap. And so now it's kind of like a little side gig I do. So I help people uh, with buying homes or refinancing and doing things like that. So um, so they can contact you using this information right here. Correct. This whole this information is correct right now. Yes. So uh, what what you see on the screen is, is Matt's contact information. Uh, if you watched our whole episode today or you're listening tomorrow on spotify or apple music and you want to get in contact with my uh yep. matt uh his, his number i will list in the uh description of this podcast as long as his email address we could probably just post and it. his website we could just post it on the page post yeah you know what yeah we'll just yeah. post it on we'll post it on most, most everybody that knows so. about us knows about us through Facebook. yeah post it on the donut dad's page and matt what can you offer everyone like are you able to like matt are you gonna buy me a house kind of answer <laughs> yeah um I'll, I'll take care of it i swear but yeah, I mean, um, basically what we can offer is just uh, we might be able to do some type of donut dad special where we can give, you know, people who chime in some type of, uh, Look at that. you know, rebate, Look at something that like donut. that. I'll get have a, to think something up. A little donut dad. A little off. donut. Yeah. <laughs> yes. There you <laughs> go. Well, a free paper for your legacy. I will give you yeah, there you go. Here, a free piece it's of paper. Note. Right. <laughs> But no, there's just a, just a, so people have an understanding, like, can you help them with their mortgages? Yeah. Can you help them refinance? Yeah, can, both. Can, um, if so basically, okay. um, a lot of people need, basically they get a realtor and then they need someone to do the mortgage aspect of the house buying process. So that includes getting like a pre-approval, mm -hmm. which you need to kind of start the, the search of, of getting a house. So if they contact me, we can go through like their financial situation and figure out what they could be approved for. And that kind of just leads into the whole home buying process. So um, I think there's a lot of, can you a lot of anxiety that comes along with wanting to start that process. Cause a lot of people, you know, and I can name myself in that, that sort of situation, given I, my student loans and whatnot, yeah. like I was worried about potentially being able to get a mortgage yeah. and it was almost like uh one of those things where i was just, i don't even know if i want to try maybe i should just rent because i know myself that i'm not in great financial standing and my credit's probably not where i want it to be like yeah. can you ease that at all i mean is it a lot easier than what people are thinking it might be yeah i think a lot of people have those types of worries and they think like oh i'm i have too much debt or this is my monthly payment going to be too high or right. what are interest rates at now so a lot of that we can go through and we can get creative with certain scenarios and, and just try and find what's best for each individual customer because some people are looking for a lower monthly payment. 
Um, some people are looking to lower their interest rate and refinance or to pull money out of their home equity to maybe fund like a new kitchen or bathroom or, you know, some unexpected thing that's come up. So we do all those types of things and um, anything cool. people need. That was going to be so. That was going to be my next question is, is can you help them through refinancing yeah. home equity loans? Yeah. You do all that yeah, stuff. Uh, what about like, what about for the people out there that do for sale by owners? Are they, can they kind of just go right through you? Yes. Yeah, you know, cool. or do they have to go through a real estate agent or like how does, yeah, generally, you know, like, if I want to sell my you house, have to hire a lawyer, usually, um, especially in Illinois, there's, there's a lawyer that has to be in, in on that process. And then, um, yeah, you, you can still go through a, a loan officer for those you don't have to have a real estate agent so now and i will okay. say i i have so, done that before in the last house that that we bought we bought for sale by owner and you're right i had to um i was lucky to have a good friend down here uh shout out Susie danner who offered up her services on basically i didn't need a realtor but she was there to help and didn't charge me anything so yeah you're right all i needed really was a lawyer and they had to have their lawyer but she walked me through the whole process in the meantime. Yeah. They are at least somebody that you want to talk to. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, real estate agents can also be great in certain scenarios as well. They help kind of ease like the house searching and things like that. But sometimes people are like, hey, I could just simply do this on my own. And it's kind yeah. of like uh, I got that's a whole nother episode because like yeah. I had a debate with my real estate agent where literally I was selling sending him zillow links and that that's how we found our house like i was doing all the research he yeah. just he just had the and then they want six percent on top and then now and now i'm paying crooked. that guy six percent crooked so, as car salesman yeah, I, <laughs> except the ones that watch this and podcast. slumlords you know, you guys are, slumlords you guys and car cool, salesmen right? basically slumlords. anybody that might slumlords. listen on here i don't like any of you <laughs> right but like that's that's a whole debate upon itself I, I actually was talking to my real estate agent about that and even though we used one we did use one we ended up paying a certain percentage based on our Way contract but i i brought up i brought up the argument and i was like look everything that we're looking at i sent yeah. you you know and you just basically used your mls number yeah. to be able to access the code for the lockbox to get me in here to do a walk around like that's really kind of now you're where... making eight thousand dollars because of that yeah, correct. Had, Eat a lot of my equity out of my house. I've had it where I've called and I said, hey, I want to come look at this house. And the first question they ask you is, do you have an agent? And I would say, no. They say, well, until you have an agent, you can't come and look at this house. So they won't even allow you to to do that. Times, you know, <laughs> but while you make. Yeah. But the homeowner whose house you want to go look at would probably be extremely upset that they just sent yeah. away a buyer. a buyer because they don't have. Right. Yeah. Like if I was selling my house and they were like, oh, we sent away three potential customers because they didn't have a real estate agent. I'd be like, I'll stand inside my house and let yeah. them walk around. I don't Come on over. <laughs> they can live around if they want. Right. Yeah. I'm exactly. interested to so, see how it's going to turn out for real estate agents, given the Internet being so prevalent now. Because like you said, so many people just go online and they find all the houses they want. Well, there's and, a website for sale by Yeah, exactly. That's how and, we found uh, ours. So it'll be interesting right. to see if. You know if that profession kind of stands like through this time and yeah. you know isn't right isn't kicked away from like the technology advances so well we'll see yeah. we shall. But again we appreciate the hour and 30 minutes of wisdom yeah, and intelligence and experience that you shared with us man. what's that the longest one you no. are the record holder we yeah broke, that's absolutely we broke a record. broke a record there you go so we'll put a we'll put a trophy next to the live your feed, name gets uh, put on, on the wall and lipstick with everybody else yep 
Longest podcast so far. But again, that's information that I think a lot of us are scared to ask yes, or absolutely. at least not know where to go. Yeah. And you offering, even at the end of this podcast, you offering your services to our listeners and anyone watching that may listen or listen tomorrow that can contact you and get help with any real estate questions or, or anything like that. Uh, is appreciate great. that, man. So it's awesome. yeah, we do appreciate that. Before we go, this will one book recommendation. Um, sure. This book I came across, I think you have the link, Dave, called The Wealthy Gardener. And it's by John Yep. Let me pull that up for you. And it's from a father being written to his son. And it's all about life lessons that you may go through, um, some of it being financial and um, it's the best book I've ever read and I will probably read it every year for the rest of my life. So, um, I can't recommend okay. it enough. It's, um, it has just so many life lessons in it. A lot of them being financial. And, I think direct, uh, direct life lessons too. Like I love the book, the alchemist for all the life lessons it is, but you have to like mm -hmm. read between the lines to get them. This is a, it's a very simple read and, uh, yeah, it, part of it is written like from the perspective of this wealthy gardener who's this older fictional guy who's super wise, you know, beyond his years. And then the other one is from the author who's a real estate investor and also a chiropractor who owns his own uh, practice. So hmm. he relates his own life experiences to the, the knowledge and wisdom that this wealthy gardener passes along. So very good book. Highly recommend it to anyone wanting to... Uh, Oh, that's awesome yeah i'll have to check that out too you know i gotta see if they got an audiobook dave needs the audiobook because he's not real Maybe. good at reading i, do. Him don't, him Man, don't I read tell you what good. i will it will t i will read one page and have to reread that page three times because i forget what the first paragraph yeah. says. your mind starts to so, wonder yeah i could see that but at the wow. same time i'm not surprised because i want to take the second to remind everybody that dave never watched the office never he didn't know who he didn't even know the dunder mifflin reference Matt, have you seen Goonies? I apologize. No. Ah, yes. <laughs> yes, Matt. Thank you. Son of a Thank you. Not all Thank the time. Star Wars. I never saw Star Wars. Yeah, I'm not a Star Wars guy either. You're fine yeah. there. Okay. But you know right. what? No, Look, hey, here's the thing, though. Uh, Dave, I don't, I don't hate on him so much because he's only 30. Of course. Our right, you're right. You're right. He can still watch Our it. Our generation should have watched that show or that movie. True. And Ever, his generation, you watched all of The Office, didn't you, Matt? I did not. I just started watching The Office last year. But well, hilarious, right? It's good, yeah. It's good, yeah. All right, so we're going to end this show. We have a donut review from the one and only, my yep. daughter, Charlotte. She, hey, for uh, the record, I do have one. This is one of the I ones. I do have one, Dave. I do have one. We do, do have, have one. one pending. 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 The boss has to approve. Right. Right, because you decided to do I it. Was in in, I was on break at so, work. Yeah, you should have just took that uniform off. And we I could have. I didn't. So, but we are going to share a donut review. This is my daughter, um, Charlotte. She's going to be doing a donut review from one of her favorite breakfast spots called Juicio, which is um, not even sure what town that's located in. I'm pretty sure it is in. Don't know. No. Not even a no. guess. But here we go. All right, here's Charlotte. Cutest little girl. Hi, my name's Charlotte, and I'm at Juicio, and I'm going to taste the donut. So Juicio gives you a bowl of freshly made sugar donuts. Mm. So that's all she eats. Just the sugar that's donuts? It. That's all she eats. 
That's it's like chips I and salsa. I want to drive up to this no-name town and get some just because she's so damn cute. Yeah, I'm well, glad she takes after her you. mother. She, yeah, that's true. She loves donuts, just like Matt. This girl, this girl um, at a softball so, tournament one time was sticking jelly beans up her nose, shooting them back out, and then she would politely try to offer them to me, and I couldn't say no. Yep. Yeah, oh, Charlotte's, Charlotte's great. Awesome. She'll share everything. But this is Juicio. Um, so this is their website. So give it a visit. But these are these are the donuts that they make, fresh right here. Just a little. See how they're making them fresh right there. It's so loud. So, oh my bad. Yeah, let me turn that down a little bit. Is that a little down yeah, for better. you or that's no? Better. Okay. Yep. But they make the donuts. That's awesome. Juicio. Straight there, and they serve it to you like chips. Is to it salsa. nearby yep. you in the L town or what? Uh, probably about 30 minutes okay. north. That's not too bad. So, but that's it. So, uh, Matt, yes, again, we thank you for your time and we are going to plan a part two at some point and we'll hit some topics that I feel we left out yeah. on this broadcast. Yep. Um, but again, we always appreciate you. You're welcome back anytime and we will share your business card on our donut dead site awesome. and you. everyone else who's sat with us for the last hour and 40 minutes and listened to our conversation about some uh, Matt's financial decisions and what he dabbled into here and there to make himself be able to enjoy life a little bit more and not have to concentrate at work at the age, at of, the 30, age of 30. We appreciate 30 already done working, just doing a bunch of part-time work. So, but we appreciate everyone who tuned yep. in. Uh, hey, real quick. Uh, I am Dave. I'm out. And I want to give real quick timeout. Just want to give two shout outs. One, um, first and foremost, because I told them all that I would, I coach my son's JV football team, junior, uh, junior youth football league, JV team. Uh, first game this Sunday, two o'clock at Bismarck. We're taking on the dreaded Westville Tigers. We are the returning Super Bowl champs. We plan to at the freshman okay. level. We're returning. We're moving up to JV. We're going to take the house down. Uh, so shout all out right. to all my boys on JV. We're going to take down Westville starting out this Sunday, 2 o'clock. And second, and most importantly, won't have another episode by then. Uh, happy birthday to my oldest, Brody. He'll be turning 19 on the 21st. Brody, 19. Yeah. Look at that. One year over adulthood. <sighs> legally. He's down in the Dominican. 18, adult, 19. Living it up right now. He's down in the Dominican. Right now. <laughs> He'll hope, glad it's not Bolivia yeah, or whatever yeah. you just Brody. said. So. Don't dance <laughs> at the celebration. <laughs> so, all right. So, Brody, enjoy your celebration in Dominican. Uh, and if you find yourself in a underground, just Take dig yourself, yourself out with that glass, glass yeah. face yeah. that's in there. So, But on behalf Matt, of Josh you. and Matt, I'm, I'm Dave. Nice. This is the Donut Dad Podcast. We appreciate everyone tuning in. We'll see you guys at the next episode. See you all. Deuces. Peace.